Church family, it is always good to see everyone here today. Would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments where we hear your voice and we invite your almighty power to bind up broken hearts, to heal every wound and every bruise. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning I want to start out with a question. The question is on the screen here for you. When's the last time you felt stuck in a situation that was beyond your power to fix? Now, as you're thinking about your scenario, if it's okay, I'm going to tell you mine. It was a few years back, and it had to do with a 2009 Nissan Quest. Uh, we had just uh, gotten done with our emissions testing. And if you ever pass emissions with an old car, you're kind of like, yes! It lives on for another year. And so I was on that high, and I stopped at a gas station. And while I was filling up the Nissan Quest, a kind stranger uh, told me that the gas wasn't actually going into the tank. It was going on the floor around me. And sure enough, uh, there at the gas station, there was gas all on the floor. I had to stop quickly uh, because there was a leak in the fuel neck. After investigation, the fuel neck had rusted out. And I had a great idea. As a hobbyist empowered by YouTube videos and Amazon parts, I was going to fix the fuel neck for the Nissan Quest. Shows you how cheap I am. <laughs> I deserve that. You can ask my wife. So I was working for a while. In fact, I got the old part off. And the old part was so rusty, it disintegrated in my hands. Like, it just fell apart. So it didn't need to be fixed. And then the new one was trying to get on there, and uh, I twisted it, I turned it, and after about two hours of twisting and turning and bending, after checking, did I order the right part? Is this supposed to be here? I was stuck. I was so stuck, I invited my wife out to the garage to see if she wants a crack at it. <laughs> we were stuck together at that point. Now, now, where did I turn to get unstuck? Uh, thankfully, I have a good friend in the congregation. His name is Brian, and he's a great mechanic. And thankfully, Brian was gracious enough to come over that day, and what took me hours and hours of trying to figure out had him two minutes. I remember him taking a jack stand and putting it in place and then bending it right where it needed to go, and the pressure there and the pressure there. Finally, it fit, and... Brian's a pretty awesome guy. Thank you, by the way, Brian. I'm still, still very thankful for getting out of that pinch. But I was stuck, and I needed help. And now, as you've heard my story, you probably have stories of your own, don't you? Now, maybe for you, it was a car like mine. Maybe it was a financial circumstance. Finances are such that sometimes you can have a budget and you can have your main job working hard. You can even have a side hustle, but then inflation comes and you're like, I am still just stuck. How can I get ahead? Maybe for you it was your job. You had this client, you had this boss, and as much as you tried to make them happy, you could not get an attaboy. You could not get an approval. It was just never enough. Maybe for you it's a relationship maybe even an area of marriage, and as much as you try in that area, you just bang your head against the wall because you're trying and trying, and it's just stuck. So where do you turn? Do you have a Brian? 
Some of you may have good friends that you can turn to. Uh, Some of you might even have counselors, and good Christian counselors are, are sure beneficial. But as you consider those scenarios, something I want to propose to you is this, that God is the one who allows you to be stuck. In fact, sometimes I think God purposes your stuck situation. And you might wonder, well, as we consider God, and welcome if you're new, welcome if you're new to Amazing Love or Christianity, you might consider, well, why would a good God do this? Here's the reason. So that when you and I come to the end of ourselves, we ultimately try to find him. And so the first fill-in is this, that God allows us to get stuck so that we ask for him for help. For he is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, as we're going to consider, and his arm is not too short to help us in any and every situation. It doesn't matter what you're in right now, he can help you with it. I know a good God allows this because I saw it in the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, as we saw in our first lesson, had a stuck situation that he called the thorn in the flesh. Now, about the thorn in the flesh, we don't know exactly what it is. There's a lot of commentary around it. Some people thought it was an eye problem because in one letter he asked, like, you'd gouge out your eyes and give them to me if you could. Uh, Some think that because Paul had been flogged and beaten and people threw stones at him, maybe it was chronic pain. And so that would make sense for all that Paul's gone through. Lord, take this pain away from me. But I'm really glad that God doesn't give an answer for what it is because because it's open. And by the way, I call openness in the Bible felicitous ambiguity. So if you want to write that down, like Pastor Dustin, felicitous ambiguity. What does that mean? Thanks for asking. Um, It means a happy openness. Felicitous, happy, ambiguity, open. So sometimes scripture allows a happy openness to interpretation. And when it comes to Paul's thorn in the flesh, we can all relate. Because we can all relate to a situation that we've begged, we've pleaded, Lord, would you take this away? Like, it would go much better for me if this was solved. I could actually give you greater glory if this wasn't there. I could serve you better if you would just answer But if you know the story, if you read closely, you heard that God's answer was not to take it away. God's answer was that Paul would stay stuck in that situation. Because Paul, like us, needed to learn something. And while God didn't take it away, God did show up and he shared these powerful words, this perspective. He said, see, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, it's made perfect in weakness. And if you came here this morning and you're still stuck in some way or another, perhaps the only reason is so that you would learn this message, that you would learn it is not about your strength. It is about the grace of God who will either see you through and give you strength to endure or he will change the day. And so the next fill-in is this, that God allows us to be weak so that we rely on his strength because maybe you'd admit this is not our default setting, is it? Our society, our human nature, our sinful nature all convinces us, I got to be strong. In fact, when you heard renew your strength, probably you thought, yeah, how am I going to be strong? Is this another self-help message? It's not. This is a God message of God intervening in ways that we cannot. And so let's get into it. So we're in Psalm 121, and uh, it it is one of my favorites. Uh, We were talking in our pastor's network about favorite psalms, and this was also my brother's favorite, so maybe great minds think alike. Um, 
And uh, this was a favorite for my, my daughter, too. Uh, we talked once about Psalm 121. And, and this is one of the psalms that I've actually given a title to. I've called it the Worry Crusher. And I don't really title much else. But this one, I said, you know, if you're worried, if you're anxious, this is the Worry Crusher. And I want to explain a little bit of the background of Psalm 121. And by the way, if you brought a Bible, feel free to open it. Um, if you have brought a phone, feel free to, to look at the Bible app. Uh, if you open, you'll see that it's part of the Song of Ascents, and I want to describe that a little bit. The Song of Ascents just is a category of psalms that worshipers would use on their way to Jerusalem. See, back in that day, you would worship regularly in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount. That's what you would do if you were a Jew. And I had a chance to go to Israel, and what's interesting is that, geographically speaking, you have to go up to Jerusalem. Like it is an incline upward. So the Song of Ascents, they're climbing uphill. And as we consider that, uh, travel back in that day was precarious. It was dangerous. They didn't have a Nissan Quest or an SUV or any other car. No, they had sandals. And they had maybe a donkey or a camel. But they had to deal with the elements. If you've ever been hiking, if you've ever been camping, you know that being exposed to the elements, it's, it's not so fun all the time. They had to contend with wild nature, animals. Uh, more than that, what we know from the parable of the Good Samaritan, what was very common were that robbers and, and those who wanted to hurt you would hide behind hills trying to take advantage of those who were weak and traveling. That was just a common thing. So as the psalmist goes uh, to Jerusalem to worship, he's like, I need help. <laughs> I hope I can find some help. And then the psalmist tells us where that help might come from. So Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. You know, one of the things I love to do is just count how many times it says he watches over us. And in English, it's five times, but in the Hebrew, it's actually six. Because this one is also the same word for that. He is the one watching over you. He cares about the situation that you're in. In fact, can you just say out loud or to your neighbor, the Lord is my helper? So let's just dwell deeply in this psalm today. As we uh, consider it and unpack it, um, I had a question. I, I want to know... If you were God, how would you prove to other people that you were God? That's my question. There was this old movie called Bruce Almighty, um, and the main character, played by Jim Carrey, I was trying to impress a young gal. And so what he did is he looked at the sky, and uh, what he did is he drew in the moon a little closer. Do you have that picture? Made it a little bigger. And then when it came to the stars, he made those stars a little brighter. For me, I was considering if I would prove I was God, I think I'd start flying just because I'd love to just start levitating. And then if I had detractors, I'd like make them animals like duckbill platypus, red panda, haha, right? You know, just make them cute little animals. The, that's just me. But, but God, he actually does defend himself. In fact, he sent Moses and Moses had to represent God. And Moses was actually accompanied by signs and wonders to prove that he came on behalf of the Lord. 
So different things that Moses did, he was able to stick his hand into his cloak and out it came sick, leprous and white. Then he'd stick it back in and then it'd be all clean. At one time he could uh, pour water on the ground and it turned to blood. And another thing he could do, he could uh, throw his staff on the ground and become a snake. There's another time that God proves himself through a, a prophet called Elijah. Do you remember this story, Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Oh, talk about a duel. This is great. And Elijah goes against 500 prophets of Baal and they ask for fire from heaven. And whoever answers by fire, he is God. And the prophets of Baal, they do everything and anything to try to get attention and nothing happens. Elijah says one prayer and a fire so strong not only burns up the sacrifice, it burns up the stones of the altar. Have you ever seen fire burn up stone? They usually surround the fire pit, don't they? That's God. But if you read scripture, there's actually one foolproof answer for the fact that he is God. It's creation. That's what he goes back to time and time again. I consider the universe, the stars, some pictures from telescopes. This is what they think is the origins of the earth. And I was walking in this morning and I saw the brightness of the moon. In fact, you could see the moon just as you were walking in today and it's like, holy cow, that's amazing, right? And that's always God's hello. There is something bigger than you. In fact, we, we saw that last week. If you were here, you heard Pastor Jeff share incredible detail on the human body. Just incredible, the marvel that God made us. And then he shows up to Job. Job is wrestling with God and why do you do what you do? And I'm so miserable, God. And at the end of Job, uh, God appears. And this is what he asks of Job. Look at these words. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know God with sarcasm. <laughs> who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted with joy. When it comes to this world, science can tell us that there is a gravitational pull and there is the rotation of the earth and the earth's orbit. And while they can describe it, they can't explain how it came to be, can they? But God reminds us, I did that. I am higher. I am greater. I am stronger. And so when the psalmist says, where does my help come from? And then we hear, my help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. We know that his arm is not too short. We know that if it seems impossible to us, it's not impossible with him. We know we can tap into a power strength that is so large to help us in any and every situation. You know, I was considering that... Um, that our default setting is to turn to our friends and our counselors and other people, and, and they're all great. But do you turn to God first and then to those? Or, or do you go there first and then, if I have nothing else, then I'll go to God? Or I think of our sinful nature and our culture, and our culture would tell us, you know, just work harder, just try it again, just learn more. And God allows us to be stuck because we can't do it on our own. You know, a common Christian lie is that God won't give us more than we can handle. Have you heard that one? God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you maybe even said that one? 
That's actually not in the Bible. There is a passage that says he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but that's a different connotation. But I love how this is described. If God is on our side, he will help you walk through the unthinkable. You were never meant to handle it alone. And so God won't give you more than you can handle as long as he's in the picture. It's not more than he can handle. And he is your helper. And so your next fill-in is this. We renew our strength by letting go of our strength. See, it's not about us. It never was. By tapping into God's strength. And never was this more true than for our salvation. Are you and I strong enough to save ourselves? God says be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can any of us claim perfection? God says that if you're guilty of breaking his law at one point, then you're guilty of breaking all of it. And so basically, if you could spend the rest of your life as a perfect person but still had a sin in your past, then you would not be strong enough to save yourself. But Jesus Christ was strong to save. He and he alone could be tempted by the devil and still be found without sin. He and he alone could bear the weight of sin's curse as he was tortured and crucified. He and he alone could conquer our enemy death, and he has, for Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, and this is a mini Easter, friends. And when we couldn't and when we can't, he always can. We're saved because Jesus was strong to save, not because of us. And if that's how salvation works, maybe, maybe that's how Christian life works. We grew through situations, not because we were strong, because God was strong in us. And if we apply his strength to certain situations, what are we going to find? Well, I think the psalmist tells us, and that's what I want to explore with you next. So we've been having a little bit of a baby boom and amazing love, and I love that. In fact, there's going to be a baptism next week. Come back for that. And um, I want you to imagine your life with an infant. Um, maybe it's been a while since you've been there. Uh, maybe you are there right now. Maybe you have grandchildren who are infants. But, but something that infancy will do, it will test how much sleep you can live on. Or the lack of sleep, anyway. Because at one point or another, especially if you're a mom waking up in the middle of the night, you're, you're going to end up like this. The baby's going to be awake and you can't stay awake because this is in the middle of the night. Or you're going to doze off during a feeding, or they're going to cry and you won't hear it right away. Or you'll resort to anything that gets them to sleep, like even if they have to be in the swing all night long, if that's what does it, so I can go to bed, that's awesome. And sleep's important. In fact, I was looking at different uh, survival ideas, and there, there was this lesson of threes, that you can't survive without threes. And, and so you need three minutes without air, otherwise you won't survive. So you can't go longer than three minutes, excuse me. Uh, you can't go longer than three hours without shelter, or three days without water, or three weeks without food. I was doing some research, and actually after three days of no sleep, some horrible things start happening. You can actually uh, start to feel very emotional or depressed, paranoid, and you can even start hallucinating if you don't get sleep. When it comes to our God, what is the description of God in our psalm? The psalm says that as he watches over us, he won't slumber, he won't sleep. 
What is set forth is dichotomy between our energy and his, and his is inexhaustible. And what that means is that he is always available. He's better than your mom. It means he can be there when you're in a new season or a new school. It means he can be there in the midst of an ER room and no one else is in there. He can be there in the middle of the night when you're waking up with that infant and you're wondering, is anyone else awake? And Jesus is there. He is always available. And one of the ways we can be strong is relying on that availability. So your next fill-in is this. We can renew our strength because he's always available. And that's so different than people. See, when it comes to people, you can find really helpful people who are not available or really available people who are not very helpful. So helpful and not available, available, not helpful. That, that happens in the medical field, doesn't it? I consider the waiting room or, or trying to get uh, help with your body. Uh, you can sit in a waiting room and you can find a receptionist. She's available, but she's not the most helpful, or he, to make a prescription or to give you test results. And then you can find really helpful people like a surgeon or the doctor, but they're not always available. You wait behind that door and you wonder, when is it ever going to open? God is reminding us he's both. He is helpful. He's the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and he's also available anytime. And prayer is just unleashing the arms of the Almighty into whatever situation you might find yourself in and getting the help that you need. The psalmist goes on and he says these words about God. He says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Has anyone ever been in a desert or a desert climate. I know that's not the Midwest here. Um, I actually had a chance to go to Israel, and, and much of Israel is desert-like, very arid, very hot. Uh, these are the ruins in Beth Shan, and uh, pretty incredible if uh, you've ever seen Roman ruins. I thought they were better than the ruins in Rome. Um, I also saw ruins in Caesarea Philippi, and again, it was very, very hot during that time. And I had a chance to find some shade under uh, just basically an old ruin. And it was just a step down and in the shade. And when I was out in the beating sun, I was like, it was oppressive. I, I couldn't wait to be done with the tour, right? But when I was in the ruin and in the shade, I was like, oh, I could camp out here for a while. That's what shade does, doesn't it? And so when God is described as our shade, what he's really described as is our relief. With him, we find a hiding place. And so our, our next fill-in is this, that we renew our strength by, by recognizing the relief we have in God. For God is the one who can change the scenario. He can say a word, and we can be relieved of that situation. In fact, some of you might walk out this week, and whatever was in your mind, he can change it, friends. You might come back next week, and you're like, that's not a thing anymore, because he gave relief. Another thing he does to give relief is he just gives you strength. You might come back next week with the same thing that's in your mind, but on a different level. He gave you strength to get through, to handle it, to bear up under it. But perhaps my favorite idea when it comes to God's relief is empathy. Do you know what empathy is? It's feeling with somebody. It's entering into their emotions, whether it be happy or sad, whether it be a struggle. It's just feeling what they feel. 
Now, when it comes to that, if you're a man like me, in general, men have less empathy. Women have more. But when it comes to our God, he has it in spades. See, part of the plan of our salvation is that Jesus would become human just like us. And part of that plan is so that when we were happy, when we were sad, when we were struggling, Jesus could enter in and tell you, I hear you, I understand. One of my favorite passages about this empathy, Hebrews 4, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but one who's been tempted in every way. He's the God who breathed our air, who experienced our brokenness, who knows what struggle is all about. So when no one understands, he does. And so we have a helper who's available, who provides relief, who is strong. And it's interesting that we need this in our personal lives. But you know, we also need it as a body of believers. We need this in the church. In fact, next week we're going to have a congregational meeting. And so I just want to put this on your radar. And it's going to be an incredible opportunity to see God's faithfulness to our congregation. We're going to report on all that God has done in two years. And there will be good things to share, for God has been active. God has blessed his church called Amazing Love. But we're going to rely on his strength. Only he controls a soul's conversion. Only he controls the fruits of faith. Only he can advance his kingdom. We're also going to see areas where we might need his help. <laughs> because faith is a trust exercise and and so is running a church, and, and we're going to always need his help to come through and make possible what we may not see as possible right now. So I invite you to come to our congregational meeting. And I'd remind you that with God on our side, what can't he do? What blessing can't he pour out as he continues to work among us as we share his gospel? This meeting is especially if you're a church family member. Um, you're welcome if you're a visitor, but it might not as much apply to you if you don't know the ins and outs, but especially our church family. But as we conclude today, perhaps when it came to this psalm, the question that stuck in your head was this. The question about not letting your foot slip. Because something I recognize is we have moments where we look to heaven and it's like, God, I'd argue about that. God, this week it felt like my foot did slip. And God, you said there'd be no harm, but it felt like harm came my way. I was considering this when it came to the lives of pastors in my life. And there's Pastor Zahn who's looking at his daughter, Susanna, who it seems is being called to heaven. In 2007, I was a vicar in South Carolina preaching for Pastor Zahn. When Susanna was first diagnosed, and now she's just 20 and in hospice. And a pastor like that might say, not let my foot slip. What are you talking about? If you've ever been there and wrestled with this, there are a few things that I consider how God is faithful to this. Number one, when it comes to our children, when it comes to that pastor's family, this psalm was actually used in baptismal liturgy to describe how God would look after the faith life of our little ones. That the forever and the more and the no harm was spiritual blessing. That Susanna Zahn, who was baptized by water and the word, will be with the Lord whenever the Lord calls because he was faithful to sustain her. Another passage that comes to mind is that he won't treat us as our sins deserve. 
When's the last time you're honest with what you deserve? Apart from God, we deserve nothing good. No family, no house, no car. But he's so faithful. Jesus was treated as our sins deserve. See, Jesus allowed his foot to slip all the way to death and the ultimate harm came to him on the cross so that I could tell you, you don't have to worry about harm. You have peace with the holy God. The wrath of God has been paid and we are free. But then there's another passage that comes to mind. This passage, Romans 8, 28. And it says, we know that in some things, no, not some things. And we know that in most things, not most things. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, called according to the purpose. And so if my pillow is drenched with tears, and if I feel alone, and if I don't understand, it doesn't matter, friends. Because in all things, God is for you. In all things, he works. And so I don't have to understand. And I can still know he loves me. I don't have to feel like he's present to know that he's present. And I can come to the end of myself and cry out, I need help. And I can finally find it in him. Because his arm isn't too short. And he's always been faithful. And so I encourage you to look to him once more. Whatever that situation is. To get the strength that only he can provide. And know that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not? How will he not? How will he not? Give us all good things. This is the God we've come to worship. He is the Lord. And he is yours. Don't forget he's on your side. Don't forget he's for you. He loves you more than you know. Let's pray together. So Heavenly Father, today we've been reminded you made heaven and earth. Your arm is not too short, even though it's hard. Life is so hard. But you're going to come through. You're either going to change the circumstance, or you're going to give me strength to endure, and I know you are. And Lord, I pray especially for the Zans. Give them strength to endure, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're always available. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And I pray that the best things you make possible are for your name's sake, for your glory and for your kingdom. Advance, Lord, and move. And Lord, just be faithful. Help us to remember that you will continue to work all things for our good and give us confidence in that. Renew us once again, not by our strength, but because we've been reminded to rely on yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we have the opportunity to confess our faith. Uh, today, we'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed as we confess together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, and now we turn our attention to some family matters. Uh, one is our offerings, and um, thank you for all who generously support the ministry of this church and our mission to reach the lost. Um, you'll see uh, just how faithful God has been if you come next week to our congregational meeting. And by the way, um, please put that on your calendar. We'd love to hear from you. And a little bit more about it, it is an open for forum. Uh, so we'll have an opportunity not only to hear from our president, Brian Potempa, but then also to respond and ask any questions. So again, that is next week, October 8th. Um, I'll let you kind of peruse the rest of the announcements. Uh, you might see a handout for a coat driver having uh, how awesome to give back during this time of year. Now we turn our attention towards prayer, and today in our prayers, we're going to remember uh, not only the Zahns, but also another pastor family named the Spiegelbergs, uh, who are also in a similar circumstance. Um, seems like the Lord is calling their child to heaven. And um, after this, we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you that as much as we care about children, you care even more because you knit them together in your mother's womb. Convince both the Spiegelbergs and the Zahns once again of your great love and give them strength to endure. Lord, we thank you that the pinnacle of our faith is a resurrection. You have conquered death. And so though it is our enemy, it is an enemy that has been defeated. And so with that peace, help us to process anything that might go on. We pray this in Jesus' name, and I'll join in the prayer he taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.